This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Hello, and welcome to episode 154 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott, and this podcast is all about talking to people in the entertainment industry, hearing about what their experience is, and finding out what works and what doesn't, kind of commonly across many dozens and hundreds of interviews. So that's agents, managers, actors, directors, producers, filmmakers, personal finance and fitness gurus, voiceover artists, anybody at all that is anyhow, way, shape, or form involved with the entertainment industry, and finding out what their experiences are and packaging it up into this podcast every week, sticking it out there on the worldwide intertubes for free for you each week. And that's all. So we, uh, we you know, we, we're just two dudes, AJ and I, that, that decided to start this podcast, really just to have a good excuse to reach out to and sit down with people that we wanted to learn from without having to pay 35, 40, 50 bucks for a casting director workshop or something like that. So that's all this is. Looking for the common themes, looking for the answers. Uh, if you hear something on the show that you dig and you vibe with, or you hear something on the show that you really don't dig and don't vibe with, we'd love to hear from you either way. There's a lot of different ways to get in touch with us. Get started on our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on today's episode, we have part three, the third and final part of my chat with uh, filmmaker Joshua Caldwell, who's got a really cool story. Uh, if you are a DIY kind of focused actor, you're sick of sitting around and waiting for the phone to ring and you want to get out there and make your own thing, writing, producing, directing, acting, all of that, this is a great interview series to listen to. And I know I've learned a lot from Josh and I, I hope you guys do too. If you haven't listened to parts one and two in the past two episodes, make sure you go back and listen to those before you jump into this one here, the final part with Josh, which is going to be coming at you in just a few minutes. Okay, hey everybody, it's Trev, and it's going to be another sort of abbreviated episode this week. Um, not too much to kind of cover on my end. I started P90X2 this week. It feels really slow compared to P90X3. If you're long-time listeners, you know kind of what a kind of fitness workout junkie I am. And so I was really excited to start X2. I'm only two days into it, and I'm sure I'll be crying for mercy in another week or two. But um, so far, I'm feeling like X3 is still my jam. Uh, that, I had two great auditions yesterday. Uh, the big kind of learn from those was just to go in there, think about it as if I were putting on a play for a one-person audience, two-person audience, doing it, taking my bow, and then taking off. Uh, definitely keeping track of, you know, what office I was in, what I read for, what I wore, what headshot I gave to them, all that kind of stuff that we've learned from Brian Vermeer all the way back in episode three. But really, uh, just practicing that sort of detachment from the artistic side of it once things are said and done um, really was uh, was great for me. I had a great day yesterday. Two auditions back to back for big stuff and uh, I've never felt cleaner 
kind of walking out of the room and, and getting on with the rest of my life. So, uh, and then lastly, uh, got some VO to go go classes that I'm teaching this month in Hollywood on the 18th, I think. Let me just triple check that. Yeah, the, oh no, the 17th of August. So if you guys are at all interested in voiceover, uh, I'd love to have you in that class. You can go to VO2, the number two, gogo.com to uh, learn more about that, get started for free with a video class, and sign up to come to the live class in Hollywood on the 17th with me if you'd like. Okay, pitch over. Uh, let's jump into the third and final part here with Joshua, which is really good stuff, and I'll just catch you guys on the other side. Let's talk a little bit about Dig as well yeah. uh, before we wrap up because um, it's about, and again, forgive me if I'm being inaccurate with this, but it sounds like it's about a guy who 20 years after he uh, escapes um, a, a um, the Holocaust, the Holocaust, I was trying to think of the word for the, the camp, <laughs> uh, he, he comes face to face with the Nazi who's responsible for his, for his family's death yeah. and he takes him out to the desert and basically from what it looked like forces the, the guy to dig his own grave yep. and then this conversation ensues and the trailer looks awesome Thank like you. i got goosebumps watching it and i can't wait to dig it up online somewhere and yeah find it's on it. youtube okay yeah, sweet. if you search if you search my name and dig it'll come up on youtube great great yeah. so this film was not done too long after you graduated from, this, uh, and this you went film to Fordham, was, by the way went, you went to fordham in new york i went to fordham in new york graduated in 06 and this was made in 2010 Cool. Yeah. Okay. So a couple years after. Okay. Um, but that was really one of the origins of it, which was that I came out of Fordham. I won the movie award. I'd done a ton of shorts in college, um, and I was like, I'm not making shorts anymore, you know. And then I started making a bunch of music videos, and um, I was like focusing on writing features. You know, I wanted to make features, and so. I got to right around 2010, you know, I was working for Anthony um, and I was helping to produce a lot of content for him and I was meeting people and composers and sound mixers and all this stuff. And, you know, also right around then, I mean, the DSLRs were getting released. The Reds had already been released. You know, you were starting to see these really high quality digital cameras coming around. And I just kind of reached a point where I said, you know, I, I haven't done a short in so long. I need something that's more modern up to date just in terms of the quality you know i mean beautiful eye one you know it's got its own issues for me from a writing perspective but um it also was shot on a canon you know uh, xl2 so it was still sd low quality right, you know right. um and so i was like it's just time like i need something that's more modern up to date and i and i also had been doing all these music videos and stuff with the red and i was like i want to put this through the paces on a, like a narrative you know and and so uh, Dig was a story that had been floating around with Travis and I since college. Um, it was actually based on a play, a one-act play that was submitted to me in college randomly. Like wow. I put out a call on Craigslist or something like that looking for like shorts and or short stories and plays and short films, whatever, because I was wanting to do less writing and, and more, more directing. Gotcha. And I got sent this play called Dig by this uh, writer named John Smith. Um, and John D. Smith, rather. And, uh, you know, it was at the time it was about uh, a hitman who takes a, you know, one of his targets out to the desert to dig his own grave. Like he's working for the mob. And, and I was just like, God, like then the thing was a man 
takes, you know, a man orders another man to dig his own grave. Like that was the log line. I was like, that's really fascinating. So we sat on it for a long time and, and, you know, we, we started writing it as a feature. Uh, we wrote it as a feature, um, which was like two guys in the desert type of thing. And that wasn't quite working for us. And then we put it away and then, then we came back to it when it was, when I was saying, yeah, I really just want to do a short. And what if we, but then I started saying, well, what if we took it away from the hitman thing? Maybe that's our problem, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Cause one of the things we were finding mm-hmm. was the conflict of why these two guys were maybe going at it. You had to invent, not only invent it, you had to come up with why this guy was killing this other guy, but you then also had to make the audience felt like it mattered. You yeah. know, like, yeah. well, why do I care? that this guy is begging for his life or doesn't want to die or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, and so we started exploring other concepts and, and ideas and we really landed on, on the idea of a, of a Holocaust survivor, um, encountering the Nazi that killed his family as a really strong starting point for what would eventually become a really great morality tale, you know, which is to say that, you know, just from, I'm not Jewish, but I can imagine those who experience that, probably thinking once or twice about revenge in that way, you know, and a lot of others, others chose the path of forgiveness, you know, um, and a lot of others have never gotten over it, you know? And so, um, I know it's a very, it's a really, really touchy subject, but I thought, well, what if this guy who had sort of blamed how his life is going and how his life has now turned out on this guy's actions and is now put in a position where he could possibly do something about it, where would that then go? And so that's where we chose to focus. And that's the script and and movie that we eventually made. Um, And, you know, there's, there's some really great part, you know, really great counterpoints in it. And again, like part of the challenge was that was, can we humanize a Nazi? Hmm. You know, can we make it somebody? So we actually, you know, if you're watching, if you've heard this podcast and you're watching it, you know, he's a Nazi, but we don't actually reveal that in the film until about halfway through. Um, you don't know why this guy's dragged this old man out to the desert. And that was kind of intentional, which was to say, well, if you've never seen the movie and just happen on it, it's going to be interesting because you're going to kind of feel bad for the old guy. Right. And right. then you're going to realize that, oh, wait, I felt bad for a really horrible human being. And, <laughs> and the way in which as a filmmaker, you can sort of play with the audience in that way. You, yeah. you know, you can sort of through the, the conceit of filmmaking, you can sort of not trick, but you can, you can show the audience how easily manipulated they can be. You know, mm. based on what you choose to reveal and not reveal, which That's was always an inter- interesting experiment. You know, yeah. for, I did a couple of projects that were in that vein. And and so, um, yeah, and so it just became a really interesting – what I really liked about Dig was, was the ability to take these two incredibly different characters with two really, really different points of view on the world and then put them into a situation where they were forced to engage, hmm. you know, yeah. and, and sort of let them go and let them – figure out and let and let this resolve in some way or another that is so cool i can't wait to check that out yeah it's, uh we'll make sure we stick a link to that on our, our website so people can yeah can easily find it cool um sweet so we're we're kind of running out of time here but i do want to ask you um as a director who's who's created a lot of his own work who has not waited for people to give him the green light right who has found ways to make it work um on a budget, sometimes without a budget, using what he had available to him. What advice would you give to somebody who is maybe at a point in their career where they realize that the only way to create career longevity is to create their own content? Yeah. What advice would you give to, to somebody in that situation? 
I mean, it's 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 do it. You know, I mean, it's hard. I think as a film, if if I'm talking to filmmakers, I think it's easy because I think that, um, you know, clearly there's such a means by which somebody can just start creating their own content. If you're naturally a director or writer, it becomes very easy to see that as that path. You know, I don't think it's I mean, you know, the fun thing or the the great thing about the No Film School article has been like a lot of people are like, hey, well, I also made this for five grand or I made this and it's a sci fi. And, you know, I'm like, I'm like, awesome. Like, I love it. Hey, hopefully this is a platform for you to then get attention for that. Like, uh, you know, there are probably people that look at the five grand I spent on layover and it's not that impressive because it's a drama and it's not doesn't have any, you know, uh, sci-fi or, or right. horror or anything like that. But where did but, that money go? Exactly. Anyway? Yeah. yeah. Like, what'd you spend it on? <laughs> but I think that it's like, great. You made a sci-fi feature for five grand, more power to you. Like, yeah. you know, and, and if it sucks, um, great, make another one, you know, yeah. like take what I've made so many terrible movies, like, you know, in college and <laughs> high school. And there are things I would never show anybody, but I learned something from it. And I was in a position because I didn't really spend any money on it. I never had to put the movie into a place where it tried to try and earn me money back. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I was talking to a class at um, up in Seattle when I was there for the the Seattle International Film Festival premiere of, of Layover, where we had our world premiere. And I got to go to a high school, um, not my high school, but uh, another one in our in the district that I went to. And I was telling the kids, I'm like, there is no reason why you guys shouldn't be having shouldn't have YouTube channels. Hmm. And you should just start making content for that. Yeah. I'm like that is that the ability to right now the power that creatives creators have is the ability to build brands and build audiences and own those audiences. Um, you know, uh, a friend of mine, Tony Valenzuela, started the YouTube channel Black Box TV, which is yeah, a, yeah, yeah which is like horror, Box, yeah. horror thrillers, shorts, and stuff like that. And you know, they have a ton of subscribers. They have a ton of views. We did a lot of work with them when I worked for Anthony. Um, and he's really taken. You know, he's he's identified an audience. He knows what he likes as a creator, and he's really found a way to capture and 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 own an audience so that when he's ready to debut something new or make a feature or move on to the next thing, he, his audience is going to come with him. He's already got, he's got a whole army of fans. And another good friend of mine, Bernie Sue, who created Lizzie Bennett Diaries. We we interviewed Bernie on the podcast years ago. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, you know, he's a good friend. I've been very fortunate to be able to work with him on a few projects and, you know, he's somebody who just, went out and did it. You know, they yeah. just got some money together and they went and made, you know, Lizzie Bennett and they shot the first eight episodes having no idea what was going to happen with it and whether it would even make any money or be successful and whether they would even be able to make the next eight. Mm-hmm. But that was okay. You know, it's kind of like the lean startup model. Yeah. You, know, you don't have yeah. to like shoot all hundred episodes and then release them. It's like make eight, see what happens. If it fails, nobody knows about it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, That's and so, right. so there's just too many I mean, it's still tough for somebody that maybe can't afford to buy a camera or, you know, whatever. But I, th- I think that, you know, the, the opportunities for people to be trying things and doing new things and, and experimenting is growing. Yeah. And you just, one, can't be afraid of failure. And two, like, just take advantage of the opportunity and, and see every project as a step to the next one. Hmm. Um, you know, and then specifically just because I know, you know, we talked before we started recording and in terms of actors and, and sort of um, empowering actors is, I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing is like as a writer director, I can dream up a script and go and make it tough part for, for actors, for you guys as actors is like you're, you're, you're 100% dependent on somebody else 
giving you a chance to work. You know, like yeah. I can go to a coffee shop and start writing. You can go to a coffee shop and start monologuing, monologuing and <laughs> yeah. d- doing Shakespeare, but you probably won't want to because it's right. not going to help you. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that's the tough part is like, there, you know, unless you go to an acting class or you're a part of a theater, you know, or repertory or something like that, it's tough because I can practice my craft whenever mm-hmm. I want. Mostly writing, directing, yeah, you got to get things in line in order to make that happen but actors it's really difficult like especially if you're just not going thing to thing to thing and so it's like you know but that's the trick is being able to practice stay sharp do it over and over again learn from it and so um you know i personally think that there's nowadays there's no reason i've said this to several actors i know there's no reason why you are not creating opportunities for yourself you know Mm. to generate publicity opportunity and roles um, and whether that means you writing or partnering with a writer, whether that means you filming skits, you know, whether that means you um, starting a YouTube channel and becoming, you know, doing personalities, whatever that is. Like yeah. there, yeah. there's you can in the same way film. In fact, it's even easier for actors because actors are the face of whatever they're doing. You know, um, filmmakers aren't like unless you're a celebrity filmmaker or you're like just a known name, like somebody like Steven Soderbergh, you know, you're mostly a behind the scenes guy. So, you know, but with actors like and personalities, like there's a lot of power there because that's what the audiences tend to gravitate towards in it and, it, and be most attracted to, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So you look at I'm sure I'm sure Bernie would even admit as well, like as popular as Bernie is sort of within the filmmaking industry and the the vlogging community, it probably pales in comparison to the popularity of his talent, you know, and the people that have played the characters that the audiences are coming back for every day and, you know, day in and day out. And so, um, you know, and I have a good friend of mine, an actress who, you know, um, I worked with on a couple things and she and a group of her girlfriends got together and started a, a, a YouTube channel in which they started creating script skits, you know, and creating viral videos and things like that because for the very same reason like they were tired of going out on on out on auditions having nothing come of it and then being left with just getting to the next audition so they started creating opportunities for themselves and so i think it's valuable and the fact is like you know you we're no longer in a world where everything needs to be segregated you know where you have the writer and you have the director and you have the director of photography and you have the producer and you have the actor like you don't need to do that anymore so many actors write you know um and you look at guys like seth rogan you know who like they write and they got actually started writing yeah and even though they always wanted to act but what they first did was they they wrote you know i think you was he? He did something on Forty Year Old Virgin. I think he was a writer yeah, on it. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he was in Freaks and Geeks and like had a bit of a of a thing. But it was that that then he played a small role in, and then elevated and went for you know. And so it's you just never know. I mean, you never know where the opportunity is going to come from. But I think it's just really tough as an actor, and this is me speaking as somebody who's never acted and can't. Um, I think that just purely re- relying on an audition based system yeah. to succeed is is done yeah we say it a lot on the show that we feel like actors should all in, in 2014 every actor should have some writing chops and yeah. some editing chops and some some you know a little bit of skill in these areas just so they can go do that because yeah. i think we've said it before but you know 10 years ago it's like if you were an actor and a writer and a director and a dancer and it's, it's like people looked at you and they were like you need to pick one and focus right now it's like if you're not all those things yeah 
you're kind of at a disadvantage yeah. because the tools are so prolific and it's just so easy now. And also, it's the, kind of thing. yeah, it's the same thing. Like every actor has just like every director has got bad films in them. Every actor has got bad performances. And <laughs> no, yeah, no. And, and, and you'd, you'd hate if you haven't been in a position to just work on it and try things and yeah. practice and learn from it. You'd hate that that first big break doesn't really do what it needs to do because you weren't that good. You yeah, know, because you didn't practice because, and, well, you, and and you just yeah. didn't have the opportunity. I mean, I don't. You know, it's like if you're just even if you're auditioning every day, that's not practice. You know, yeah. that's not yeah. living in the moment or, or playing out a character. And so, you know, to me, it's like do whatever you can to be acting and and practicing that craft as much as possible because it's too easy to say, well, I'm only gonna I'll do it once I get the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's hard. It's really hard, yeah. man. Everybody still wants to be an actor, and it's just like even though there's more opportunity, there's also less because there's more people. And yeah, yeah, you know. And I can tell you that just from a as a director that's always looking for talent, it's you know, it's it's definitely seeing things through, even like seeing things through web series and going like, oh, that's really interesting, or that they did something cool, or wow, that person stood out. Hmm. You know. Um, what do actors yeah. do that appeals to you? Like when you're working with actors or you're, or maybe that you're having auditions, I don't know if you have auditions for your projects, but is there, are there, is there something that you consistently see actors do that you're like, yes, more of that, please. Um, I tend to not be one that likes over performance and, and mm. that needs to come through in some things, but I tend to like, understated performances more than stuff that's over the top. And so a lot of my, sometimes a lot of my work is, is starting there and then just pushing it down and pushing it down until it gets to this like sort of elemental moment of truth, you know, in mm-hmm. the sense that they're not thinking about the performance, they're not overperforming, they're doing something that feels very real and yet is totally in sync with like, if that character is like over the top or a killer or something like that. Um, and it's you know it's interesting because it's I, I also try to it's it's hard to say what it is that I see that lends me to saying oh I want to cast that person or I want that person to do it I mean a lot of times I write for people you know or I adjust the role for people so because to me I'm not at a level where I'm working with you know just people that have already really done a lot you know and and have tons of experience and that's definitely i'm always careful saying that because that's not to knock anybody i work with because i would put them up against anybody else any day um but it's really about making sure that i'm not asking them to do stuff they can't i think some good some actors are good at things that the others aren't you know and and so it's sometimes adjusting the role or finding the right role that works best for them so that you're really what i'm trying to get to is basically say what i don't want them doing is acting hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I don't want. And so if I'm asking them to play something that's actually out of their range, I'm forcing them to act as opposed to just being able to do and live yeah. the role in the character. Yeah. And so and certainly like I mean listen, there's like actors that are great with that. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis is a guy that plays very over the top characters, and very big characters, and very bold characters and you know, but he does. He has a system, and there's a there's a support system there to allow him to do it, to allow him to go off and live as this character for months before you shoot. Right. You know, and right. the money to support a production to allow him to do what he needs to do and, and have the right clothes and and all that stuff. You know, and so on my films, I don't have that. So, um, you know, it's really about for me in terms of the audition 
not audition process, but in terms of the prep process is really just finding time to not do necessarily rehearsals, but really talk about the character and really discuss the character and land somewhere with the actor in terms of who we want this guy to be so that once we're on set, we're never having those discussions again. You know, it's really all about faster, slower, a little bit more, try this, you know, incremental yeah, type of cha- yeah. type of changes because I think if you're if you're pulling out a notebook and having big long discussions about this character when you're in the middle of filming, yeah, you're not. That's you're the not wrong time to do it. Yeah, yeah, um, cool. And so what it is is it's allowing it's 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 dumping and going over all this information and all this backstory and all these characters and the story and the script and what what you're trying to do with it and then allowing that to all simmer. And kind of like stay with you or leave you or whatever needs to happen so that when you get on set, you kind of got all this foundational work done and they can just exist. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Right on. Um, So we have two questions we like to kind of wrap up uh, with all our guests. Okay. And they're a little bit out there, but that's why we like them because they always get really interesting answers. Yeah. So the first one is, do you feel like this career path chose you or do you feel like you chose it? I think it... I'll say it chose me simply because I think that it it came out very it happened very organically in terms of discovering it even as a career you know and so um, you know I was very fortunate my parents were very open to me kind of doing whatever I want my dad works for Boeing he's a salesman my mom was a stay at home mom but very art- creative and artistic and so there was never any kind of like you're going to go into the family business and anything like <laughs> right. that but. You know, my dad was loved movies. He's a huge movie fan, and he would take me. And I just found myself like loving the theatrical experience of of losing myself in these stories. And I'd come home, and I'd actually want to like what I would do is I'd pretend to be the character. So like, if it was Batman, I was like, I'm Batman. I'd get the suit and the mask, and like I'd live the character. But what I found myself doing was getting all the kids together and sort of directing them, you know, <laughs> in terms of playing the story, but I yeah. wanted to be the character. Yeah. It wasn't so much about me wanting to act. It was more just like, well, I want to be Batman. Um, and, and also things like Legos and Playmobil and, you know, action figures and, and the, the act of creating stories around them, you know, and the freedom to, to do all that. So really it was that, but it wasn't really an awareness of what a director did or how a movie mm. was made or what that meant um, until later in high school. And it just ended up being this like really interesting thing to me that I just kind of kept looking into and kept playing with and kept experimenting with until it was pretty much in high school when I made that decision that I wanted to pursue this path. Awesome. Yeah. So I did eventually choose it, but I think it was, it was since I was very young that it was always the movies and cinema and and that kind of thing was always very prevalent. And, and I was very aware of it as, as a really interesting thing. I mean, for a long time, I actually wanted to be a, I wanted to go in the Navy and I wanted to, I wanted to fly jets. My grandfather was a pilot in the Navy and um, that was like, oh, I want to do that. Mostly because wow. of Top Gun. But, um, but <laughs> They're no, making a Top Gun too. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. But, um, you know, so for me it was like, but then my eyesight like kind of negated that and I was mm. kind of like, well, what else would I do? And then I kind of, yeah. My eyesight negated that so I'll get behind a di- camera. Such a dispar- <laughs> you know, disparity between the two. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I, uh, yeah. So it was either 
be a naval aviator or a director or a film director yeah. i love it that's so human i just i love it that's yeah. like people think that that's like the, the weird stuff but actually that's really common that kind of disparity i think in our in people's interests and experiences is really really common well so. it's like lipton's question of like if you weren't a film filmmaker what kind of career would you want or whatever and then when he does the inside the actor studio yeah i always had yeah. my answer naval aviator yeah there, <laughs> there I always it is already there it is so in a couple of years when i see you on that show I'll, there you go i'll know that that'll be your answer watch this guys he's gonna say naval aviator. uh and the second question is and you kind of answered it already but it was more in the context of what would you what advice would you give to an actor so on a more general level of somebody who's maybe in some sort of creative pursuit, whether mm-hmm. it's painting or music or I don't know, pottery, even what advice would you offer them? If you could boil all your experience, all your victories and your pitfalls down into one nugget of advice to just kind of pass on to the next generation, what would that one nugget of advice be? Um, I would say that find it. Well, to your question, they probably already found it, but find your passion and just, pursue it unrelentingly because I think that any kind of career in the arts demands it. Um, there's no pass passiveness allowed within the artistic community. There is, mm. if you want to go into business cause you can walk into any business and become a middle management guy. But if acting, you know, but if it's acting or writing or directing or poetry or, or whatever, it's just, you know, pursue it, um, with as much passion and as much vigor as you can um, and just, you know, live it in the best way that you feel possible, you know, and, and allow, allow it to be an expression of yourself and not worry too much about the audience and worry too much about others around you, you know, Hmm. do it for you and do it to the best of your ability and the audience, you know, will find you. Hmm. Like I, I got really, the, the, I'm going to sum it all up, which was a really great, funny enough, like a greeting card I got when I was in college. And it was, it was a quote. I don't remember who said it, but it was basically like, um, find what you love and then do it so well that people can't take their eyes off you. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I love and that. That always stuck with me as, as, uh, as a really great, you know, sort of, um, inspirational, approach which was that was the thing which was don't worry it's basically like do what you love doing don't worry about anyone else because they'll find you hmm. so it really just boils down to practice yeah find well it yeah exactly because also then yeah. that just opens you up to the ability to be happy doing it without worrying about whether you're going to be successful at it mm. you know and that because that's where you get ground up and that's where you get jealous and that's where you get um you know tired and 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 things become difficult when you're so worried about, you know, you asked me that question, which was like, when you're so worried about your peers and what they're doing, but that's not the point of it. The point isn't to do it because so-and-so is doing it. The point is to do it because you want to do it. Yeah. And that's what the arts are all about. The arts are about very personal, you know, um, artistic expression, be it ballet, be it, you know, whatever. And even though you're in the company of others, it's really a solo act. This is, there's no, you know, even filmmaking, like as collaborative as it is, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's still a very personal endeavor. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I think that it's important to always maintain that because otherwise, um, you know, the, the visual of sort of the clawed hand, you know, uh, as you, as you just become, become succumbed with the worry and the, the, the envy of, of your peers and what they're doing. And that's just not the point of it. Mm. 
Yeah, I've heard many a many a successful artist. In fact, I think Trent Reznor was the most recent person I, I heard say this. They asked him, you know, what would, what advice would you give to a, a musician who's kind of up and coming? And he said, uh, he said, do it because you can't not do it. Right. Any other reason is may not may not keep you in the game when things get tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how that's how you know. Yeah. That's exactly. You know. And I think anybody listening to this is probably in that situation. Yeah. They they can't not, and they're just trying to figure out how to keep it going exactly and that's um, that's the challenge the challenge shouldn't be do i want to do this or not the challenge yeah. is how do i make it happen yeah yeah i love it well josh this has been awesome thank yeah, you so much for taking the time it. if people want to find out more about you i mean we've got your your blog and yeah. your podcast online at hollywood bound and down uh yep. your twitter profile obviously yeah um, where uh, else can they go? twitter is uh, joshua underscore caldwell c-a-l-d-w-e-l-l um honestly twitter I'm kind of just basically saying Twitter because from there you can find everything. Cool. Um, you know, Hollywood Bound and Down is a great source too because it's usually got links to my other work and website, and it's just it's kind of all over the place. But Twitter and Hollywood Bound and Down got, dot com um, kind of have the collection of everything. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Cool, man. Well, can't wait to see what is ahead for you. I'm really excited to see what the next uh, year or two holds. Thank you. Uh, for Me your too. Career and, and everything. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks again for taking the time. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, team, welcome back. Hope you dug part three with Josh as much as I did. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, not earlier this episode, but earlier in previous episodes, I'm really feeling pulled towards creating my own work. And uh, I have a couple friends that know me really well. And I always learn about myself from them because I get to see you know, myself through their eyes. So I learn about my strengths and weaknesses, um, just by, you know, sharing my, my journey with them and by hearing about their journeys and, and what kind of questions they're asking me, uh, about, uh, what I see. And basically, uh, the, the feedback that I've gotten over and over is that I'm kind of not going to be happy unless I am creating my own work, unless I'm actually, having a hand in the writing, producing, putting my name on it and shipping that. For me, I know that uh, the, the big kind of payoff from an emotional and spiritual place is going to be, and an artistic place, is going to be creating my own content. So that's where my focus is, as most of you guys know. And uh, this interview series with Joshua was really just just uh, just amazing for me, like just priceless. So uh, thank you, Josh, again, for taking the time to sit down with us. And uh, I learned a lot from you. By the way, guys, Josh is in our Facebook group. Uh, I added him. So if you have any questions for him or would like to connect with him or maybe learn more about what he's up to, you can find him in our Facebook group. And if you're not a part of our Facebook group, I encourage you to go over to our website, click on the links uh, in the show notes in the most recent episodes to join the Facebook group and uh, be a part of the conversation over there. Uh, on to picks of the week. Uh, I'm just going to do myself this week. AJ doesn't have one that he sent me. No listener pick of the week that I'm going to kind of touch on until we're, we're back uh, in full form next week, hopefully. But uh, movie Lawless that I watched last night with Tom Hardy and Shia LaBeouf and uh, Guy Pierce and a couple other, Jessica Chastain, uh, had no idea what the movie was about. My brother just kind of told me it was a good one and we sat down and watched it last night. And I have to say, man, I always thought of Tom Hardy in my head as kind of like one of those kind of, you know, good actors, but just kind of a, an action hero type of actor. And he really blew me away in this movie. He's in this movie as one of the lead characters and he's, he's a really good actor, man. Like he's a true actor. 
really, really enjoyed the movie, man. It's interesting. It's about like prohibition era stuff in the, uh, I guess it would be the East coast Virginia is where it takes place, but it's all based on true stories and really, really interesting stuff. So make sure you guys check that out. I believe it's on Netflix, uh, instant. So the movie's called lawless. It's starring Tom Hardy. Good movie. As far as thank yous go, we have a really generous one-off donation from a listener named Nadia. Nadia, thank you so much for contributing generously to the show. Really, really appreciate it. Make sure you hang on to that uh, PayPal receipt because you can write that donation off as a uh, education expense come tax time. And then we also have a, uh, a new patron, Corey Acock. I know Corey personally. Uh, we've, we've worked together at uh, one of my day jobs, and Corey... Uh, is an actor and also a photographer and filmmaker. He just finished a short film, uh, just, I guess maybe a few months ago. I guess that qualifies as just finishing, but really, really good short film. I was really impressed. He shot it himself. He cut it himself. He wrote it himself. He did not act in it, um, but he got some phenomenal actors to be in it in his stead so he could kind of focus on the behind-the-camera stuff, but really good stuff. So Corey's up to some some interesting stuff as well as uh, his kind of uh, burgeoning photography business. He's also a photographer, and it just so happens that he has a Headshot Summer Special going on right now. So there's a link to his work on our website in the show notes for this episode, but just real quick this summer he's offering $50 for one look, $75 for two looks, and $100 for three looks, which is a pretty fantastic deal, if you ask me. He gives everybody a CD with all the images following the shoot. He'll throw in a couple of free edits and touch-ups for your favorite shots, and also... Uh, he says this hasn't happened, but in the unlikely scenario that someone is completely unhappy with the shots, he'll happily schedule another session to shoot with them for free. So I don't know if he can get a better guarantee on getting what you're looking for than that. But for 50 bucks for one look, I mean, if there's that one shot that you don't have in your headshot portfolio that you just want to get, reach out to Corey and take advantage of this, man. His work is solid. Uh, he's got great prices. And hell, he's gonna he'll schedule another one for free if you guys don't get what you want. So that's a pretty sweet deal. So check out his work on our website. Thank you, Corey, for the uh, monthly support. We do not, I want to just stress this, we do not get a kickback from Corey or anything like that. We don't have any special deals behind the scenes with anybody. That's not what we do here on the show. Um, but Corey is uh, a friend of mine. Uh, he's signed up to support the podcast and he does good work. So I wanted to make sure I gave him a little shout out here and, and hopefully got some some uh, exciting actors his way for for some new photos. All right, that about does it for this episode then. Uh, you guys know where to find us. We love uh, interacting with listeners on Twitter. We're twitter.com slash inside acting. We are uh, on Facebook. We have a group as well as a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash inside acting. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Actorated. We really, really appreciate the reviews you guys leave for us there. It goes a long way, and it just fills us with warm fuzzies. So if you have a chance to go over and uh, leave us a review and let the world know kind of what the podcast is to you, that'd be really great. We do ask that if you hate the podcast and you're listening still for some reason, uh, and you want to go in there and just kind of talk shit on us, just shoot us an email first and, and, and tell us what you hate and ask us to change it and give us a chance to change it. And then if we don't, then you can go over and hate on us on the internet. Nobody's done this or anything, but I don't know. Just wanted to put that out there. But if you love the podcast, um, it definitely helps uh, us if you if you 
you know, leave a few encouraging words in those uh, those different channels there. Yeah, so iTunes activated. We also have a voicemail line and an email. Our voicemail line is 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. And our email is insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing questions, comments, concerns, compliments, bribes, mom jokes, whatever it is uh, at any of those those um, those channels. And last but not least, you can donate to and support the podcast. Just head over to InsideActingPodcast.com, click on the donate button on the right-hand side. You can kick us a one-time donation of any amount that you'd like, from one penny all the way up to whatever the limit is for PayPal. I'm, I hope it's up in like the seven-figure range. Let's find out. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, or you can become a recurring monthly patron, as Corey has. Uh, just head over there and uh, you'll see two options when you click on that link. One of them is to become a recurring monthly patron. I think at like 5 7 and $10 a month or something like that. But that way it'll just auto-withdraw, or, or rather I should say auto-contribute to the show every month. And uh, we'll feature a headshot and a blurb on our website uh, as, as uh, kind of a thank you so people can learn more about you and how awesome you are. All right, that's all I've got for episode 154. On behalf of uh, Jen, our production coordinator, Cesar Gamino, our technical producer, Gadali Gubrek, our marketing and web director, and Deborah Smith, who I don't have an official title for yet, but I'm going to call her like our social media outreach blog uh, head person. Um, lots of exciting changes coming, guys. In the next month or two, you're going to see some cool changes uh, happening in the inside acting world, thanks in huge part to all of those people that I just mentioned. So, for myself and AJ, this is Inside Acting. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by VO2Gogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2Gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2Gogo.com slash start.